Get ready for season three of the Tron Grand Hackathon 2022 with a total of $1.2 million in prizes across Web3, DeFi, GameFi, NFTs, and the newly added Academy and Ecosystem tracks. The wait is over. Tron Grand Hackathon presented by TronDAO. To learn more, visit trondao.org. Eager to make more informed decisions around crypto using data you can trust? Chainalysis demystifies cryptocurrency by providing industry-leading compliance, market intelligence, and investigation support for all crypto assets for organizations like Gemini, Crypto.com, and BlockFi. Maximize your potential with the leading blockchain data platform by visiting Chainalysis.com the scoop now. This episode is brought to you by IWC. IWC Schaffhausen is a Swiss luxury watch manufacturer based in Schaffhausen, Switzerland. Known for its unique engineering approach to watchmaking, IWC combines the best of human craftsmanship and creativity with cutting edge technology and processes. Discover the full collection at IWC.com or download the IWC app to experience a virtual try-on now. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of the blocks. Podcast guests may have taken positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. For full terms, visit theblockcrypto.com slash terms dash service. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at The Block, and we have a very exciting episode for you today. On the other side of the mic is our friend Jeff Serlin, founder and growth lead at Sky Mavis Games. For those of you who are not familiar with Sky Mavis or didn't listen to our previous episode with Jeff, they are the creators of Axie Infinity for a period of time in 2021. Axie Infinity was sort of the zeitgeist of the game blockchain-based gaming phenomenon that swept the market. And at one point, as many of you know, it was sort of especially popular in the Philippines and Southeast Asia. We've seen a bit of slowing growth, obviously in line with a broader slowdown in the overall crypto market. We'll get into that and much more. Jeff, thanks for joining The Scoop. Yeah, thanks for the invite. Uh, excited to be back. Yeah, you're known as Papa Jiho in the <laughs> Axie community. Is that are people still calling you that? Are they are they uh, less sort of familiar? <laughs> uh, they're yeah, they, you know they have a bunch of nicknames for me. I find it endearing. So. <laughs> so how do you you know obviously activity has slowed, but how do you continue to build a strong relationship with with those? who refer to you as Papa? Well, you know, we've been at this since 2018, right? So we've seen all sorts of market conditions. We actually prefer these types of slower bear market conditions, right? It gives you time to build, to improve product. Thankfully, we're in a position where, you know, we have a great, really strong balance sheet. So yeah, you know, I think we're just focused on iterating, improving our products across the board from the game uh, origins, uh, we have the land game under production, improve the infrastructure, 
on the Ronin side of things. So you know, I think we're, this is just a time to you know not slow down, not really speed up, just to continue to compound and and push forward. So how are you working to improve the infrastructure of Ronin? Well, yeah, well, you know, one one thing that just happened is we announced uh, Google Cloud as our latest uh, validator. So, right, like one of the things that we're doing is, you know, working to expand the validator set on the on the Ronin side of things. So, you know, having having Google Cloud as a as a partner, you know, definitely definitely is a you know huge step for for the community. People were super excited about that. Um, you know, also of course, like onboarding game developers that are interested in, you know, having access to either our IP on the Axie side of things or our community if they want to deploy some other type of IP. So. Mm-hmm. Last time uh, we spoke, you announced for the first time that you guys were developing an in-game DEX. What's that been like? Yeah, it's, 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 worked, it's worked really smoothly. It's been nice to have our own exchange, uh, you know, on, on Ronin, where community members can pretty smoothly claim the tokens that they earn from playing the game, and then they can swap without having to, you know, transfer back to mainnet or, or go, go somewhere else. So. I was at Seoul, and it was interesting. A lot of, a lot of the venture capitalists and investors I talked to have kind of moved away from being super keen to invest or back blockchain-based games. Mm. The word I kept hearing time and time again was infrastructure. Mm. So the cooling has kind of spilled into venture land. And I guess the logic there is you have a SaaS-based business with an infrastructure provider that can kind of yield a future juicy return. Versus many of these games, they're they're much more, or at least have appeared to be much more cyclical. What do you think of that? Well, our belief is that, you know, if you want to build a platform, the way to build defensibility around that platform is to have content, right? It's to have these engaging experiences that consumers love. Otherwise, right, infrastructure, especially in Web3, where most things are open source, quickly gets commoditized. So we do not really believe in that. We actually believe that, right, like community is the moat. And despite everything that's happened, right, there are still, you know, 2.2 million Axie holders, uh, 750,000 monthly active addresses on the Ronin chain, 4 million uh, Ronin wallet downloads. So we believe that we're in a strong position to, yes, to continue to push forward the adoption of our of the infrastructure that we're building specifically for Web3 gaming. Sure, but if you look at you know the gaming NFT trade volume in Axie, it's down from you know hundreds of millions to, I guess more recently, if we're looking at it, hundreds of thousands. So what does that illustrate? Well, of course, like things get quite crazy during bull markets, right? We even saw this with the ICO era, uh, but I, I think. You know, even with ICOs, that w- that was really important for the adoption of wallets and attracting builders to the Ethereum community. And I think the same similar thing happened with Web3 Gaming, where right people got a little bit ahead of themselves. You know, people poured into Axie because it was you know the the main thing that was working, and 
the best product on the market. And now we're seeing a return to reality, but we're still, you know, at a much higher zone of adoption than we were prior to all the madness. Mm, yeah. How do you maybe prepare for the next wave if there if there is one? I think it's, you know, it's to, to continue to follow the playbook that we've forged over the last almost five years now, right, which is to make iterative product developments uh, right now with Axie Infinity Origin, which is our latest iteration of the card battler, right? Like we've introduced free starter axes. Uh, we have runes and charms, which are ERC 1155 tokens that you can basically attach to your axes. So this allows for progression. That's also caused the economy to actually become quite balanced. So in August, we were running season zero and we saw 155 million SLP actually spent or burned on crafting, whereas only 43 million SLP was actually earned through the game. So we're actually seeing real consumer behavior where people are demonstrating that they're you know, interested in spending within these digital economies, within the Axie economy, for motivations other than just purely earn earning, right? One of the things that I've been saying is that, you know, we need to have emotional spending within these digital economies. People need to be spending for, you know, maybe emotions that can kind of be linked to the seven sins, right? Like wrath, envy, greed, sloth. These are the things that will actually help build sustainable in-game economies. Uh, it can't, right? It, it can't be everyone just coming in and, and expecting to earn yeah. a free lunch. So it can't just be speculators looking to play to earn. You need to balance that out with maybe folks who are willing to spend on digital goods, digital services within the game to create a more robust, quote unquote, economy. It's almost similar to trading where you need the institutional flow and to balance it out, you need the retail flow. Without one or the other, you kind of don't have necessarily a robust market. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you need to have actual consumer demand behind these products. I mean, that's the thing that I think, you know, is needed in crypto in general, right? Like there have to be people that are using these products uh, for the utility. We think that being able to actually own your game asset creates a different relationship uh, between the player and the in-game asset that it has a lot of value regardless of the earning aspect as well. So what we're kind of talking about here is implementing or the game plan to implement a sort of desire to exist in the game to ensure long-term sustainability and to sustain the in-game economy by speaking to our human desire to want things. Is that is that a fair way of putting it? Yeah, I, th I think what we're seeing, right, is that our digital lives are becoming increasingly important relative to our physical lives. People are interested in expressing themselves, forming their identities within these online communities and their assets and the items, right, within these, within these games are becoming important ways of self-expression, right? So with people see their axes as their pets, they see them as their avatars within and within the virtual world. And so one of the things that we're working on is uh, upgraded parts, right? Where you can actually change the appearance of your Axie over time by spending resources, uh, accessories, right? Like 
tattoos and things that you can attach to your Axie. But we know that digital fashion is a huge trend right now. People are spending billions of dollars each year on digital fashion, right? Clothes, outfits, and things like Fortnite on digital fashion that they don't even own, right? So the thesis is that if you can actually own these things, the desire to spend will be much higher, but the base desire still comes from that pursuit of self-expression. So there's sort of a shift here, right? From maybe being over-indexed on the play-to-earn element to now being over-indexed on getting people to view their Axie as an extension of themselves, as a way to express themselves in their digital life. So one aspect you mentioned here is the ability to upgrade their their Axie to give them fun, cool accessories. What other ways can you kind of get them to want to spend in this world? Yeah, sure. I mean, so one of the one of the things that's been really successful for games like Supercell, right, is that you'll have a leaderboard, uh, you'll have PvP matches, and you know people will be able to spend to you know increase the power of their of their character, right? And we have that with mm-hmm. runes and charms, where there are people who are you know crafting and selling the runes and charms, but on the other side, there are people like me uh, who you know I don't have too much time to play Axie, but I still want to be competitive. I want to be on the leaderboard, so I'll go and buy these runes and charms, attach them to my Axies, and then right, I'm able, I'm able to have a lot more fun as I climb. Some people, you know, have you can you can also make the argument that oh, like this is creating pay to win, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, you know, something that gamers sometimes complain about. But I think it's interesting because this is actually helping the in-game economy, right? It's not only going to the game developer, it's going to the entire community. And we just had our esports, uh, you know, finals in Barcelona at AxiCon. And for that, we unlocked everything, right? On the esports server, every, you know, all the contestants had access to all the runes and charms so that, you know, everyone had a fair chance, right? So I think that's like the delineation that we're seeing is, yes, you can have this you know, pay to advance or, you know, pay to save yourself time on in certain aspects of the game, like the like the leaderboard. But then when it comes time to determine who's the best in the world, everybody has access to the same uh, runes and charms, which kind of levels the playing field. Do you think that maybe you should have been a bit earlier to implementing these pay to win, pay to advance features to balance or counterbalance the play to earn element? Yeah, that's a question that we get asked a lot and is a question that we sometimes think about a lot, you know, because body part upgrades, you know, has always been a part of the plan, right? Like burning axes, burning resources to be able to advance. It's just it's hard. Uh, You know, you always as a startup, you're always like strapped for resources. (laughs) The game that got us to 2.8 million users was built by eight people, right? Yeah. Um, Whereas Origins, what we just rolled out, that was built by, you know, a team of closer to 40 or 50. So it's always a, a question of resource prioritization. I think we're just we're blessed to be in a position where now everyone is the eyes of the world are upon us, right? They're wondering how how is Axie going to, you know, push forward and set the tone for the entire space around economic sustainability. So I, I think we're I think we're on the path to, yeah, really really sh- creating the formula once again for how to get to that next level of traction. And economies do develop in stages, right? Mm. Uh, this is what we saw with, you know, the Tigers in 19, 1990s, right? Taiwan, <laughs> South Korea, 
the uh, you know the Philippines, right? They had these kind of unsustainable booms uh, that were subsidized by foreign direct investment and a lot of foreign capital coming in, and they had these kind of sudden stop crises. But those were also important for right, like setting them up for their their current success. Uh, so it's something that right, like if you look at Axie as a as an economy, as even a digital nation. It's, it's actually going through some of the booms and busts that emerging market countries often uh, see, right, where you have to have this shift from foreign direct investment and a reliance on exports to actually having a consumer based economy, right? Like that was the theme of one of the classes that I took in university. I know. I, I feel like I'm, I'm back in my international finance course at Fordham. <laughs> um, talked a lot about. FDI and the impact it can have on an economy. In this case, the foreign investor were venture capitalists. Yeah, speculators, right? People who and are speculators. Right. In crypto, and everyone's always looking for something that's new and shiny and is working, right? And has a narrative, right? And sometimes as a product, as a project, you lean into that and it's great and it gets you a lot of brand recognition. Um, but, you know, there's always a hangover, right? So I think it's like it's understanding what is the medicine for that hangover and making sure that you just keep pushing forward. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, we talked about it last time, you were, last time you were on the show, how to create for a robust game economy, a robust metaverse economy. And I guess these are some of the functions. Do you think that like maybe it could act against your interests where some of the game players might be miffed that now they have to pay to unlock some of these aspects of the game. Yeah, I think, you know, there, there are going to be different people who have uh, different responses to our transition, right? So it's kind of like a transition away from play to earn to something that's more play and own. And, uh, you know, there, there's some players that aren't gonna, going to appreciate it. But so far, the response from the community has been really positive because they're seeing that, right, the game is becoming more fun, first and foremost. The, the community is, uh, you know, still really strong. And most importantly, right, it's, it's balancing the economy. So there are people who, who do want to come in and spend. And the idea is for it to be, you know, people who just want to have fun uh, and, and, and spend to enjoy, spend to fulfill their different desires. And yeah, so, you know, you have all these different types of player archetypes that are coming in now. So what do you think about looking more broadly at the entire X to earn phenomenon? Do you think across the board, that's just a stepping stone? You know, how many of them are there? There was a, apparently there was even sex to earn. <laughs> well, so right, like, what are the purposes of token subsidies and crypto networks, right? I think that is the base question um, that this all stems from. And right, like, so I had a lot of friends who worked at Uber in the early days. Uber paid the drivers to drive even before there were any riders, right? So it does make sense, right, to have these generous subsidies to kickstart network effects and kickstart at least one side of the demand in a market before there is the other side, right? So in a game, it's like, before there's anybody playing for fun, you maybe you can pay some people to play so that, right, you have that uh, network effect, you have enough people, like certain games, like Axie, get more fun, the more people that are playing the game, right? Because uh, the game might only be fun if you're getting a match against someone at your skill level, right? And in order for that to happen, you need to kind of kickstart 
the player liquidity and the queue, right? So, mm-hmm. right. So for you know for network effect based products, it does make sense, right, to kind of have these generous token subsidies at the beginning to inspire uh, usage. But then, of course, there have to be other types of users that are coming in because of the utility who want to spend, right? Like, so you can kickstart the drivers, <laughs> the driver side of the market. But of course, there have to be uh, riders that eventually come in. And I think it's a very similar uh, concept. Even Venmo, right? I was a, one of the first users of Venmo. And and, and PayPal was similar, right? They just paid you in the beginning to onboard people and paid you to use the application. I, I think crypto is just you're using, right? In many cases, governance tokens uh, that are linked, right, to the future success and actual ownership of of the project. Get ready for season three of the Tron Grand Hackathon 2022. There are a total of $1.2 million in prizes up for grabs in Web3, DeFi, GameFi, NFTs, and the newly added Academy and Ecosystem tracks. So what are you waiting for? Join Tron for an opportunity to showcase your work, win funding for your project, and network with other builders in the community. Tron Grand Hackathon, presented by TronDAO. To learn more, visit trondao.org. Are you eager to make more informed decisions around crypto using data you can trust? Chainalysis is here to help. Chainalysis demystifies cryptocurrency by providing industry-leading compliance, market intelligence, and investigation support for all crypto assets for organizations like Gemini, Crypto.com, and BlockFi. Gain unparalleled visibility and maximize your potential with the leading blockchain data platform by visiting chainalysis.com slash the scoop now. This episode is brought to you by IWC. IWC Schaffhausen is known for continually innovating within the world of Swiss watchmaking. A pioneer in the use of titanium and ceramics, IWC today specializes in highly engineered watch cases manufactured from advanced materials such as colored ceramics, ceritanium, and titanium aluminide. This year's collection includes colored ceramic pieces in Lake Tahoe white and woodland green. Discover the new collection at IWC.com or download the IWC app to experience a virtual try-on now. We definitely see the the other side of those Uber incentives today. Um, they're really they're at a place where they're like ramping up costs. I mean, I don't know if you've taken an Uber in the city recently, but there's no there's no incentives anymore. It's almost like it's interesting if you compare the two worlds. Where I hear this a lot. I don't know the extent to which it's true in the data, but it's cheaper to take a taxi. It's more convenient to just go to the restaurant and pick up the food yourself when you factor in the cost of Uber Eatsing or DoorDashing. And there's countless other examples of, you know, now that the sort of thumb has been taken off the the balance there, you, you see a retreat. And I guess it's not that different from what we've seen with Axie where now that the incentives are gone, we, we have to see, okay, who's left in this market? And now that we have this group, how can we work with them 
Yeah, I also want to say, right, like, there are, we still do have incentives, right? Like, because, uh, sure, you know, so we had a leader, we, we just announced the leaderboard for season one of Axie Origins as being uh, $1.5 million in access. I think this is the largest leaderboard prize pool for an NFT game ever. Uh, so, you know, there, there, there are still incentives, right? It's just that, you know, the incentives will, you know, the just player lower. base needs to be less reliant on the incentives over time and more reliant on the community and the, the fun and the utility that they get from being uh, a part of the experience. I left my Uber Eats. Um, I, I wasn't getting food. I was getting like uh, cleaning supplies and whatnot. And I left the basket open and, you know, went on and did something else. And I got a ping on my phone saying, if you come back to the basket, you can save, you know, X percent. So in in a similar fashion, even there's still incentives on their side that they're trying to leverage. And that's what it is, right? It's just pulling these different levers to keep the sort of user base, game player base engaged, but not over-indexing on one specific mechanism to do that. Yeah. And this has always been a, been a thing too with the Axie community, right? Even at the height of the craze, you know, about one half, about a half of the community say that said that their number one motivation for playing was earning. And then it was like 25 and 25 percent were saying, you know, it was the community or the fact that it was a really fun game. So, uh, you know, this, this has always been a thing, of course, right? Yeah, it, it, things got definitely got crazy over time. But the, the cool thing is, right, like we were able to thankfully, you know, raise the Series B and uh, build out this team. We're now 175 people at Sky Mavis. We're able to hire great game designers, great game product people, and actually build a game that's worthy of this amazing community. And Origins is, is I think, really showing that. We just hit a million downloads in early access, uh, which is quite unprecedented for a game that's not even on, on the app stores. And I'm still you know, talking to Google and Apple and educating them and you know, hope to be a major catalyst for the entire industry by getting on those stores as well. What do those conversations look like with Google and Apple? <laughs> well, you know, I have to be quite uh, careful, but what I can say is that they're, I think they're both interested in learning and they, I think, both understand that this is a paradigm shift that you know, can be really empowering to, to players and, and consumers. They just want to be careful about it and uh, make sure that you know, the App Store users are, are totally safe. Understandable, yeah. What do you think resonates with groups like that the most? And we can include, maybe wrap in, in addition to those two tech giants, just the gaming world in general. What what do they see as the paradigm shift? Because when you think about the gamers, they're often very wary. It's um, they're very skeptical overall. Sure. Well, I think you know, to all to kind of, I guess, outsiders looking in, uh, one of the things that really resonates about Axie is the community, right? The the huge amount of activity on uh, social media, like Twitter, uh, where you you know really get to see these testimonials of people who are in love with the product. Uh, I think one of the benefits that Axie has is that our art is also very relatable and approachable. It's nostalgic, right? So it's kind of like a Axie is a nostalgic twist on a classic, right? Where the twist is just that you're using these new financial rails and Web3 technology to kind of create a new relationship between the player and the assets in the game. But it's familiar, right? It seems like something like Pokemon or Tamagotchi, which you know most people have had experience with as a child. Yeah. Did you have a Tamagotchi? 
so I was I was into Pokemon. I was into Neopets. I I dabbled a yes, little bit. Yes, Neopets. Oh yeah, the Neopets. So actually, the founder of Neopets, uh, you know, he gave us really encouraging words of uh, yeah words in 2018. He, you know, he said, "Hey, like a lot, you know." there were black and black and gray markets for neopets people wanted to you know spend real money on these things the financial rails to do that trustlessly just didn't exist yet did he give you any advice i don't think he actually gave us advice i think he just he was actually so really bullish like uh he was just like yeah it's gonna work like, just just keep going <laughs> that's great like, he, he just said just keep going uh, it's gonna work um so that, that was That's like, one of, I don't know, it was one of the early formative uh, conversations. That's great. So in terms of, you know, what might impact the community or, you know, send ripples through it, the hack was quite the, quite the ordeal. How are we, yeah. how are we, um, you know, dealing with the hangover of that? Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, we had a near-death experience as a startup, as an organization, as a movement, and we were able to thankfully weather it. Right, uh, the fact that ETH, you know, tanked uh, right after was was great because right, we you know there was a certain amount of ETH that was the hole that we had to recover. Uh, so we were thankfully able to put together a round in under a week to fill that hole, and we actually have good news that we just announced at AxiCon where. $30 million of cryptocurrency has been recovered by law enforcement uh, working with chain analysis, right? So keep in mind that I think the, you know, initially it was like 500 million plus, right? But that was an, you know, but the value of ETH has, you know, tanked since then, right? So it's like the- Yeah, so what, what what is this, like a fifth or something? Yeah, it was around, I think like around like 12, 12%. Um, 12%. Yeah, and you know, I think I think we'll still probably have a chance to recover more. So, yeah, feeling really you know hopeful because you know this this is all right, like kind of gravy because we were expecting to get basically none of it back. Mm -hmm. And all you know, I also want to iterate right that reiterate that you know all user funds were fully backed you know through the Sky Mavis's balance sheet and uh, the funding round that we put together. It speaks to a broader problem that exists in crypto where. On the one side, you have the benefit of transparent, undeniable ownership of an in-game asset, which you can leverage and move around in a way that isn't possible in a traditional game. But on the other side, there are these technical risks that don't exist in games. Mm. How would you sort of um, parse through that juxtaposition, especially for a skeptic? Well, this is this is new technology, right? And there are going to be bumps in the road, and because that's a big bump, though, <laughs> that's a lot of money. Yeah, you know, it's it's definitely it was you know it was inexcusable. It's a mistake that we made that should have never happened. Uh, you know, on on the path to fast track for adoption, we cut some corners that uh, shouldn't have been cut, and we've learned our lesson. And you know. The root cause, right, was just not having enough validators, right? So we've uh, worked to address that. At the time of the hack, there were around nine validators. We're now at 18, gunning for 21, with Google Cloud being the latest entrant. So it was it was definitely a hard lesson to learn. Um, and I think, we're yeah, we're lucky to have gone through it. What does that relationship with Google Cloud look like? They're, they're seem to be quite keen to be an active participant in the ecosystem. 
Yeah, so you know, I think they're in the space to to learn, um, and they see this as a great opportunity for them to you know learn about this new era of ownership, learn about Web three gaming, and also to contribute to a cause that they find really appealing. Uh, one one of the things that I found interesting is they knew how strong our community was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think they were looking on you know at the time of the incident or the hack they they saw on twitter that the community still had our back and that really reassured them and that was something that they specifically mentioned that i found it interesting so. how do you guys get into like esports mm. well <laughs> axie is a very competitive game and it's getting increasingly competitive right so we now have and we we have these large prize pools right we just did uh a million dollars in esports rewards for AxiCon in Barcelona, and oh, nice! Yeah, and so these prize pools—they're attracting people. The the winner of uh, the Origins Championship, his name is One Four Three Seven. He is an <laughs> ex Dota player. Uh, he was actually a coach of Team Secret. I think a founding member of Team Secret. So he's a he's a really uh, you know serious name in the world of esports. And, you know, we also had Complexity attending AxiCon. We had Method. Method just announced that they'll be running an Axie tournament. So we have some of these, you know, traditional eSports players that are coming in that are interested. They're learning. And some of them are more aggressive than others about, you know, kind of diving headfirst into the space. Mm. Super interesting. As you know, massive, massive market. Soon you'll be selling out arenas, maybe. (laughs) That, you know, we, we see it as a perfect fit for the technology, right? So one of the one of the cool things that we saw was I think within 24 hours, all players had been paid out because we just did it through a smart contract. And, mm. and it, just, it was an automated payout. Really. In traditional esports, there are problems around, you know, I don't know, PayPal and, you know, money mm-hmm. transfers and all of that and players, you know, not actually getting paid for so long. Uh, and yeah, that was, you know, that was a concrete and clear benefit. Yeah, you just get the money. What's your gaming background story like? Have you always been interested in games? What's your favorite game? <laughs> yeah, so me personally, well, I grew up as an only child in New York. And yeah, uh, so I spent a lot of time by myself. And so I was I was born in 1991. So by the time mm-hmm. I was three or four, it was like Super Nintendo era. So Donkey Kong Country was my favorite. I'm a very visual oh, yeah. person. So the the colors were beautiful. The soundtrack on that game was amazing. Uh, so I spent, you know, my kindergarten era playing that. Uh, I think the next game that I was really into after the Donkey Kong series was Starcraft and Zelda, I think I played kind of simultaneously. So sure. my cousins are Korean, uh, and all Koreans are obliged uh, to be into Starcraft. So, <laughs> and I was an only child, right? So hanging out with my cousins was like one of the highlights of my life. So they onboarded me to Starcraft. That's actually how I learned how to use the internet. That's how I learned how to type. You know, so I would play with them uh, halfway across the world when they were in Korea. Um, so I think, yeah, from an early age, I understood that technology could be this spark of adoption for new technologies. Um, I was really into Diablo. Uh, I was into crafting, so I would uh, use the Haradra Cube quite a lot. And I think, you know, that's maybe inspired uh, some of the stuff around the Axie economy as well. I was an initial beta tester for World of Warcraft. I was in one of the top uh, US raid raiding guilds when I was 12 or 13 years old. It was called uh, Overrated. We ended up getting banned, actually, by Blizzard. Um, oh, yeah? Why? 
<laughs> well, we, we did we did a lot of things that were against the terms of service. So we used to actually <laughs> sell we used to sell slots in our raids to Chinese mining uh, gold gold farming uh, operations because yeah. you know they needed the best gear and the best gear could only be found in the raids and they couldn't do the raids. They needed a forty man you know guild to to do it. Uh, so we would sell slots in our raids. That was interesting because we never actually really knew uh, as normal guildmates how much money the guild was making uh, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So, you know, it's like, you know, there's no transparency. And then, uh, yeah, the reason that we actually got banned, though, I believe, is that we were uh, dropping through the floor in, in uh, Encourage. I'm not sure how familiar you are with uh, World of Warcraft, but we were dropping through the floor to the final boss to basically skip all the... Uh, content sure <laughs> leading up to him and uh yeah we, and then we and we got snagged and i think at that time i was away for summer camp but because i was in the guild my my account was also banned so you know not not to say that that was you know a spark where i was like ah oh, we need to take back power for the players but you know maybe i think those early experiences around digital economies prepared me to really understand the nfts when i when i learned about them in you know december 2017 yeah, I think, you know, it's safe to say you're a bona fide legit gamer. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 so a lot of so a lot of the founders, right? We, we didn't we haven't really worked too much in gaming before, but I think we're all like pretty pretty hardcore gamers. Uh Al Alexander our COO, he was a, you know, a Dota player, I think top 200 in Europe at certain points. And Trung is like all, you know, he's he, he's always gaming. Um <laughs> So yeah, you don't have as much time to anymore. Yeah, unfortunately. So at, actually, when we were starting Axie, uh, when I had just found Axie as a community member, I was playing League of Legends at Waypoint Cafe and and uh, yeah, in, in in New York, I think like the Lower East Side. So I was playing a lot of League back then. But unfortunately, these days don't have much time to play. I do play or I do play Origins though. Um, and I have a high bar, so that's how I know that it's getting fun. I wasn't playing actually in April and in May; it wasn't good enough. Uh, but within the last month or so, it's gotten good enough for me to to play and have a lot, uh, you know, have a lot of fun with. Also, I like the fact that I can now buy the runes and charms that I need, so I don't feel like oh, I'm falling behind, right? I can just uh, <laughs> kind of yeah get what I need to be able to uh, to progress and play against people that I feel are, are at my skill level. That's really funny. So you're kind of like this gaming pirate, you know, navigating the world at a young age, seeing many things. It's so interesting. So when you think about how to further improve the sort of suite of games that you've developed, what, what should we expect aside from some of the things we talked about? Well, I think... There are still a lot of advancements to be made around accessibility, mm -hmm. um, right? Like, you know, you want you don't want the the Web3 blockchain aspect of it to be like super front and center, right? Like you want it to be mm -hmm. kind of powering the benefits, right? So I think we still have a, a long way to go uh, related to that, of course, right? Like, you know, getting on app stores, I think will be really key. Right. Mobile is the largest gaming market right now. That's where gamers are spending a majority of their time and a majority of sure. their money. Um, so, you know, forming those alliances uh, and, you know, getting on those stores, I think, will be really important. I think also, right, like, you know, right now when people think of Axie, they think of a card battler. 
uh, sure. right? Like, you know, battle cue pets, play cards against each other, you know, maybe a little bit simplistic. But our vision for Axie is to create an infinite world of experiences where if you have a team of Axies, you can play a card battler, you can play a land game, you have access to all these different mini games, you can have, you know, there might be even AR games that you could experience, right? So we actually have a builders program right now where there are community members that are building uh, games on top of Axie. Some of them are starting to get a lot of traction, actually. So right, this idea that, oh, like if you have these NFTs, you get access to an infinite content library. Uh, I mm-hmm. think that's going to be a really powerful concept that people are kind of uh, discounting right now. You got a lot of people to execute that. 170. What were you six months ago? I think we we're right around 100, maybe six months ago. So yeah, we're, like the we're same, still we're, same growth trajectory. Yeah, we're still, so that's that's you know that's our uh, that's our motto during the spare market is like don't speed up, don't slow down, just keep steadily compounding. Everyone else is gonna like clam up and get tight, you know, and they might not be in a blessed position to continue to you know push forward. Mm-hmm. But uh, we are, so we plan on capitalizing on it. Yeah, biddle mode, I guess you could say. You know, that's that's the type of environment that we that we prefer. Uh, and I think a lot of our community members, especially the ones that were with us back in 2018, 2019, right? These quieter periods are where the, you know, where you set yourself up for the next mm-hmm. uh, stage of adoption. Yeah. So would you say it's fair or would it be an exaggeration to say that the age of play to earn is over? Or are we just iterating off of that? It's it's complex, right? I, I think like, you know, what we're doing is we're now calling it play and own. Mm-hmm. And right, there has to be right, if you call it if you call it play to earn, you're kind of advertising for you know and getting attracting people that are, you know, coming in with that framing. Um, and I think it can be maybe like not great for setting and aligning expectations. The idea is though, if you can attract a bunch of different types of archetypes of users, people that are spending for emotional reasons, for fun, for status, um, for, uh, you know, to maybe save themselves time in a game that they love, then, right, there will be certain members of the community that can earn. And we're still yet to see, we're, it's still like unclear on what percentage of the community that can actually be. But one thing that I'll say is that we know that in mobile free-to-play, right, it's like 1% of the whales are subsidizing everyone else playing for free. Mm-hmm. So it may be that, you know, I don't want to put out any predictions around percentages, but it may be that a relatively small percentage of the user base that are whales, you know, spending a lot might be able to subsidize, right, these negative <laughs> LTVs for mm-hmm. everyone else in the network. And how do you adjust the like groups you target in this new world? Like, how do you get the types of demos you need to strike that balance? Yeah, that is that is a challenge, actually, right? Because so far, like community building and organic engagement has been the main way to grow. I think in Web three, and in that, mm-hmm. it's it sometimes it's a little bit harder to really choose your users. Uh, but we are building a, you know, the world's first kind of sophisticated Web3 uh, user acquisition engine, right, where we can mm-hmm. do performance marketing and some more uh, targeted attraction of, of, of users of different uh, profiles. Yeah, fair enough. Well, sir, 
thank you so much for taking the time for joining us. I loved your origin story, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, thanks. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, it's, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, it certainly is. Thank you so much for stopping by The Scoop to chat with us. Once again, we've been joined today by our guest, Jeff Zerlin, founder and growth lead at Sky Mavis Games. Where can our listeners learn more about some of the stuff you're working on? Well, yeah, I would, uh, you know, follow me on Twitter at uh, J-I-H-O-Z underscore Axie. You can follow the Axie Infinity Twitter. That's just Axie Infinity on Twitter. Um, and then also, yeah, keep an eye on what we're doing with the Ronin Network. That's just Ronin underscore network on Twitter as well. Thanks for being on the show. Awesome. Thank you. The Scoop will be back for you again with another great guest. Have an awesome day.